This is the Your Cake Ass Life podcast, episode 44, with guest Kate Courageous. All resources and links you hear in this podcast can be found at yourkickasslife.com forward slash 44. This is the Your Kick Ass Life podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self help and badassery. Because, ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey, ass kickers, Andrea Owen here. Very excited to bring you not only a colleague of mine, but a very, very good friend of mine, Kate Courageous. Kate has been on your Kick Ass Life podcast before, way back on episode 13. And she's back because 2015, we're talking all about courage is is really where the whole brand and the whole message is headed. It's always been there. It just has been, um, I guess, kind of, I'm getting more direct. I'm getting more to the point. So let me tell you a little bit about Kate. Kate Courageous is a coach, writer, and speaker who teaches people how the practice of courage is revolutionary. Since 2009, thousands of people have visited yourcourageouslife.com to learn more about working with fear and practicing courage, with the core message being that when you're trying to eradicate fear or pretend that it doesn't exist, you're working against yourself. Her approach is a sexy, soulful combination of intuitive spirituality with brass tacks, pragmatic wisdom. She defines courage as feeling afraid, diving in anyway, and transforming. Kate is the author of the Courageous Living Program and the Coaching Blueprint, and is also the founder and leader of the Courageous Coaching Training Program. So without further ado, here is Kate. Hey, ass kickers. Andrea Owen here of Your Kick-Ass Life. This is episode 44 already, and I am here today. I am joined this evening with <laughs> the lovely and famous Kate Courageous. Hey, Kate. Famous, huh? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of a yeah, big deal like that, um, on the you, internet. Have you seen that magnet? I'm only famous on the internet. <laughs> on the internet, yeah. I'm only famous in my head on the internet sometimes <laughs> when I write a post that happens to resonate with people. That so for about cute. 24 hours, maybe. <laughs> yeah, for a few minutes. Oh, you guys, I am so excited to have Kate here. Kate and I, um, when she's not on the digital sabbatical, talk at, well, at least once a day, don't we? Yeah, we're basically, except now we're talking about we have to like bring it back with Voxer on the weekends. Yeah. And if you guys listening, if you don't know what Voxer is, I mean, this has changed the way I communicate with people. It's just an app. It's on iPhone and Android. It's free and it's like a walkie talkie and it's amazing. And you can text and send pictures. Oh, let's uh, tell the moms because my biggest draw for Voxer, you know, you have two small kids, both of whom are in school now or are going to wait. Sydney is Sydney- not is not in school full time. She's in preschool, but in, okay. in September yeah, yeah. she will be. So you got two small kids. I have a seven month old baby as of when we're recording this, and um, there's <clears> no <throat> way that I could possibly, you know, say, "Hey, Andrea, let's get on the phone at one o'clock. Will that work for you? And we'll talk for an hour, and it's going to be fine." So it's so <laughs> yeah. good to um, pop onto Voxer and leave a Vox for you and go, "Hey, I have this business question," and then I go and I change a poopy diaper and I'm dealing with some other stuff, and then I come back later and you've said, here's my two cents on it. It's so amazing for your mom. <laughs> yeah. And then you, you don't have to worry about actually calling the person because sometimes you don't, you don't need to actually talk to them, but 
it's it's just the best invention ever. I love it. And especially, yes, you're right, great for moms. So I just adore you. And I know I've had you on the podcast before talking about the inner critic, and it was such a great episode. And so, you know, with the new um, kind of theme in, in your kick-ass life, talking more and more about courage, uh, of course I had to have you on. So thanks for being here. I'm happy to do it. I love it that more people are talking about courage. Yeah. Uh, The world will be a better place, hopefully. So my first question is, I'm really curious because I don't know the answer to this. I want to know, how did it come to be that you decided to base your entire coaching practice around courage? Okay. I will tell you that answer to that. It's actually a great story. I... um, you know, I started my life coaching practice back in 2006, and at the time it was a totally different name and 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 everything. And I um, wait, was it I as was, good as mine? Was it as good as Live Your Ideal Life? <laughs> it was Heal, Grow, Create. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's what it was. And um, like most coaches, I was not walking straight out of coaching <clears throat> school and making six figures. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Imagine that. Um, I I needed to do what I you know tell people all the time. You build your coaching practice one client at a time, just like you would if you were becoming a lawyer or a graphic designer or any other industry. And I was a college professor um, full time, and was only making you know like thirty five thousand dollars a year uh, doing that. So and I say only because in California thirty five thousand dollars a year. I realize this can be like great money in some parts of the United States, but in California, outside of San Francisco, um, this was, was not because mm-hmm. rent was a killer. But I had this dream of spending a summer in Italy, so I basically scrimped and saved. Um, so that I could both pay my rent while I was away from my apartment in Italy for the summer, as well as, of course, pay for being in Italy for the summer. And it was super hard to do. Um, And of course, I had a lot of fear along the way. What if I save up all this money and the trip is a total bust or I'm bored or I don't have fun? And I know that's kind of hard to imagine for the average tourist considering Italy. But I mean, once you actually, and I did find this out, of course, too, is like once you go to a place and you're there for a prolonged period, it, it, you know, you take yourself with you wherever you go, you're going to have good days and bad days and boring days and amazing days and, you know, great gelato and crappy gelato. And it, you know, it's just life. <laughs> so I go there and I was, I actually had an amazing time. And I posted on Facebook something about how, I, I like want I had such a great time and I wanted to carry it with me um, into the rest of my life. And somebody came along from the peanut gallery and posted after what I had posted in the comments, you know, but do we have to go to Italy to have that? And I don't I don't think so. And they were basically being this uh, total wet blanket. And then they said something like, you know, not everyone can afford to go to Italy. Well, the situation with this particular person is that I happen to know that they had a job in, they lived in a different part of the United States than me, where cost of living was a lot less. They had um, a full-time job that paid a lot more than me. I knew this for a fact and came with two or three weeks of paid vacation every year. And I happen to know that their husband, her husband was uh, somebody who made a lot of money as well. Now, what hit me was that this person was basically talking about her situation as though she didn't have a choice. She didn't have the money. She didn't have the time. She was limited. Meanwhile, I had spent all of this 
um, money um, on the trip. And I scrimped and saved for a year to make it happen. And it just really came full circle for me in that in that moment, I guess you could say, or in reflecting back on those comments that it had been a choice to have the courage to practice the courage to decide that I wanted to go to follow that desire to make sacrifices to make it happen. Um, and that it was really everything that I had done in my life, any move I'd made, anything that had been of any significance had always been about me going, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I'm afraid that I can't. I'm totally afraid of failure, just like anybody else, and what that would look like. But I'm going to do it anyway. And I realized that the core of my work was really that courage is about feeling afraid because no one gets out of that part. Mm-hmm diving in anyway, because otherwise you're limited and you stay stuck and transforming. And whenever you choose to do the first two, the feeling afraid and the diving in anyway, you always transform, even if it's just an inch, even if it's just a little tiny piece of life that's changing, there's always some kind of a shift. So it's a huge life lesson for me in seeing that there are some people who do have money, who do have time, who do have resources, who do have this, that, and the other, and their fear um, is a real limiter and yeah. that if you choose not to operate that way, life gets really pretty amazing. Wow. That's a great story. I never heard that before. <laughs> oh, and how did it become my coaching practice? Well, I came home and like totally redid everything after that. that that's the, the cap on the story, I guess, is I, I, I went, oh, courage is my thing. This is what it's about. And... So breathe, heal, grow was no more or whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I just, you know, URL forwarding to a different place. And that was that was it. And I um, very shortly thereafter debuted um, an e-course called The Courageous Year. Awesome. Yeah. I, I saw that today, actually, when I was <clears throat> uh, before. <laughs> I won't tell Looking people. at my internet archives. <laughs> I won't. Yeah. I, I, I will just say I was looking at the internet archives and looking at old iterations of Kate's site and, and, and saw that. So that's so that's so cool. Like, I, I honestly, like, was super curious about that when I was I was uh, coming up with what are we going to talk about? And I'm like, I don't know that story about you. So it's it's really interesting and I, I love that you said that um, that yeah there are the people that you can have all the resources all the time all the money all the energy in the world and if you are stuck in fear then you're stuck in fear mm-hmm. and you'll stay there yeah I, I mean and I, I think that fear is really you know like I don't it's interesting with this person that I'm thinking of this whole thing I, I've told this story so many times that if they knew who they were they would have had to have you know, said something by now because um, I'm still in contact with them. So I don't think they have any idea the magnitude of this kind of wet blanket comment and how it, it changed my whole life. Changed so life. In this very weird way, I'm very grateful to them and very um, compassionate, not in a pitying way, though, not in uh-huh. a condescending, like, oh, this poor person who just doesn't get it, but just like really compassionate around like, you know what, though? Uh, you know, like Italy might not be my thing, but I know I have other places in my life where I'm still in mm-hmm. the ongoing journey of, hey, this is a really scary, fearful thing for me. And I don't want to take action on it because it's so scary and fearful for me. And and I bring consciousness to it um, all that I can because that's all any of us can do. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And there's been kind of a theme, you know, switching gears a little bit. There's been a theme that, you know, I recently polled my audience in December 
And I asked them, um, I gave them a choice of a few behaviors. And I asked them what was the one thing that they struggled with the most. And I was really surprised. I guess I didn't realize what a widespread problem it was. I was really surprised that so many women said isolation is one of the things that they do um, that's a behavior that doesn't serve them, thing they struggle with. And I, I did write a blog post about it. And I... I it, it just I've been thinking a lot about it, and I think that um, one of the also you know tagging onto that one of the struggles that women have is developing these friendships that are truly deep friendships, and I think it takes a lot of courage to do so because <clears throat> it requires women to to be vulnerable and to tell their story and to reach out when they need help, which is the biggest problem, right? They isolate, they don't reach out for help. So, mm-hmm. how do you think one? practices courage in their friendships Um, reaching out Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't mean that to sound glib I literally mean that all the that it it's um it's about all the impulses that are saying oh I don't want to bother her with this problem or "Mm, if I talk about this when I'm having a bad day it's going to make this person think that you know I'm I'm just like this sad schmuck who's just you know can't get my shit together and you know all these little things that we think in our heads um we actually have to do something that's contrary to what all those voices are saying. And if anyone's wondering how I came up with those so readily, I mean, those are the two that leap to mind uh, most frequently for me. I don't want to bug someone if they're trying to do something. What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? I mean, that's what this show is all about, right? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you can do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscribers sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations. Their courses are so convenient and have helped me learn real-life conversation skills in Spanish. It's so easy to learn how to order food. That's where I get the most excited to use it at Mexican restaurants or ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while on vacation, etc. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 50% off a one-time payment for a lifetime Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash noise. Get 50% off at babbel.com slash noise, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash noise. Rules and restrictions may apply. Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers inline and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. 
With Shopify POS, you can accept credit cards, mobile payments, and every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash noise, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash noise to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash noise. Actually, if I can go another layer, I don't want to reach out and try to get help and then find that someone's too busy or too whatever they have going on in their life to help, which would then result in me feeling even more isolated mm-hmm. because that's that's a pretty lonely that's feeling. A, that's and, a risk we take. Yeah. 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 And then there's also the fear that if I vent about something that I'm super pissed about, someone's going to go, God, that Kate, she's an angry person. Mm -hmm. Or if I'm really sad and feeling that kind of like, not like clinical depression, hopeless, but that kind of like things aren't getting better and I'm I'm super down about it type of feeling, the fear that somebody's going to go, Kate, she's this, you know, she's a fake, she's a fraud. What does Mm -hmm. she know about courage? Look at her. She's having this sadness and she's not able to pull herself out of it. It's basically the the fear that people will think I live there. Yeah. Um, So those are two. And um, part of that means like counteracting um, some of the voices that come up. So inner critic voices to which I would refer people to the podcast that we did before because we really went pretty in depth about. Yeah, I'll put a link really to that in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and then um, I, I think too that there is um, the, uh, something that I feel like I'm pretty engaged in lately is healing the past. Mm-hmm. Because uh, if there's anything that has me hesitate to reach out and be more vulnerable, it's all related to past experiences that I've had. And most of us as women have had some pretty brutal treatment at the hands of other women. Mm-hmm. And that stuff stays with us. And um, it, it's like I it, it's a conscious decision that I try to enter into to go, I'm not going to operate based on a past paradigm or a past set of circumstances or experiences. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Very true. And I'm, I'm glad that you pointed that out. And I think, you know, when you said that, I, I thought quickly about my own experience there. And I think also what might happen is, um, yes, I think there are a lot of women out there that have a lot of pain from past experiences that they've been betrayed. Um, by, you know, gossip and things like that. But I think for me, um, it wasn't so much that is that I never really had those super deep friendships. And I own that that was my fault. I built up walls. I never truly trusted anyone. And um, so I never had it. And so now as I've gotten older, you know, that was like in my 20s. And now that I'm, I'm, you know, closing in on 40 now, it's, it's still I have to I still have to make like an, an honest to God effort. You know, like my, my best friend, Amy has a, has a really remarkable marriage. So I still find myself sometimes like, Oh, I don't want to bring this to her. You know, she's going to, she's going to be thinking like, Andrea, why can't you just get your shit together? Why can't you just have this damn conversation with Jason? You know what I mean? Like there are still times when I think that, and I 
honest, if I really, really was 100% honest about it, she's not thinking that. But I still have that voice that comes in and wants me to isolate. So um, it is so a practice. And I love that you you always say, you know, it, it's practicing courage. It's I think that's all of these things that we do. It's, it's practicing reaching out. And um, it strengthening the muscle. I want to add another thing in actually, which is like this is kind of a um, a side way of practicing courage in friendships. Um, and it is don't be a shit talker. That's mm-hmm. like my new thing. Um, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it really because in the past, yeah, I had a friendship that went away in the past year. And when I looked at the things that um, the red flags that I ignored in that particular relationship, I realized there was shit talking happening. Now I differentiate shit talking from um, venting. Like, you know, if, if I heard that Andrea, you had talked to Amy and you'd said, I'm just feeling really frustrated with Kate. I I need to talk to her about this thing that she keeps bringing to me and I'm not sure how to do it. I'm just in my head. You know, that's very, very different than getting on the phone with Amy and going, God, Kate, I mean, she's just, I can't even believe, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. did you even know? And then, you know, breaking confidentiality. That's, that's like a t- two totally different things. And when I really looked back, I went, um, shit talking is actually, I think the the number one thing that women do to one another that is just really divisive, really hurtful, because it's not just being judged by someone else. It's the fact that they take those judgments to another person mm-hmm. with the express purpose of tearing someone down. So I actually think that if we that like if we want to practice courage in friendships, if I want to feel close to you as a friend, Andrea, then I need to not hear you. Not that you do this, but just as an example, I need to not hear you shit talking about other people, because, of course, if if I, if I'll do it about someone else, if you'll do it about someone else, you'll do it about me. It's, mm-hmm. it's just like yeah. that's how it kind of works. And I think that we need to. um if we're going to trust one another, we have to really start by showing up with love. And that like that that's such a cheesy sounding thing to say, but it's not showing up with love when we're shit talking about other people. So that's yeah. another thing I'll throw in the bucket. Have the courage to not buy into that kind of low level behavior. I agree. And I know you well enough that if I did do that, you would call me out on it. <laughs> <laughs> would not be getting away with it. I, I don't know, Andrea. I'm kind of at a point in friendships where I'm, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you mean about somebody else? I thought you meant about me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like if I'm I like was at doing a point it. where it's like if anyone's shit talking about me, I'm kind of like, all right, does it sound like this is a match? Yeah. New, you know, move on. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's amazing how um, when – for me, like when I decided to put a lot of effort and practice courage in my friendships, how my life completely turned around. And um, I encourage, I mean, it's a big part of the work that I do one-on-one with women is is making sure that she, because you cannot go at it alone. You can't, no. you can't have an amazing, courageous, kick-ass life all by yourself and think that like, okay, I'll just... I'll figure it out. Yeah, I can be vulnerable over here maybe a little bit just to like, you know, my husband and then that's it. Like that that's a belief that some women have and it's like – and I agree. I think that there there might be healing that needs to be done. Therapy is a great place for that and, um, and slowly trying to build friendships um, either with new people or nurturing the ones that you have. And um, yeah, I love that. So how do you think that gratitude and courage relate? 
Well, what comes to mind is um, what Brene Brown talks about, about the vulnerability of joy. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. to be, to really be in the, the bodily experience of gratitude it means being connected to joy. And um, I, I feel like I've met a lot of people who shame themselves around gratitude. Um, in, and how they do that is they go, I, I have so much to be grateful for. Why am I still miserable? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not that person over there who's starving or who, um, you know, has lost everything. How can I be such a, a, a selfish person that I have so many things to be grateful for and I can't feel connected to the gratitude for any of them? And I think there's shame work to be done around privilege and around yes. access and then I also think um, that there is um, some, some maybe not work to be done, but a lens to be put on, on how gratitude and joy are tied together. Because I think that if somebody's resisting their joy, they're also resisting gratitude. Mm-hmm. And if somebody is resisting gratitude, they are also cutting themselves off from joy. Now, how those, to, that those relate to courage then is, is it's about the courage to actually fully feel your joy, mm-hmm. to fully receive your blessings. And I think that can show up in a lot of different ways. Um, when people, I mean, one way actually to continue the conversation um, is through isolating. I think that when we isolate, we're, cu- we're cutting off from feeling grateful. We're not receiving the blessing of these other, re- these relationships that we have in our life that can make us really, really feel like it's a richer experience of life. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the the whole foreboding joy. That's what Brene refers to it as it's, I see that so much. I know all y'all are listening and you're might be that type of woman who's just that constant, like waiting for the other shoe to drop. And, um, or you're so busy looking to the next thing on your to-do list that you do not stop. And I am guilty of this. Like I'm over here raising my hand. I'm like, this is something that I struggle with a lot is, um, I experienced it when I wrote my book. I, and Amy would like remind me and she's like, Annie, the coach I had at the time too, was just like, aren't you, you know, how is it for you? And I just, I'm like nodding my head. I'm like, yeah, it's great. It's okay. You know, I just, I'm busy. (laughs) Um, I, I got, you know, I got my ass handed to me a couple of times just really <laughs> having just got called out on it and having to lean into that because it's scary. It's really it's scary to fully embrace that. And, um, you know, and I think the first time I heard Renee talking about it was when might have been like when she was um, on Oprah. Um, it, it, and I totally was on board with her when she said the the hardest emotion for us to feel as human beings is joy. And, um, you know, it's that whole thing like about our children, you know, leaning over them and thinking about how much we love them and staring at them with tears in our eyes and a lump in our throat. And then the next minute thinking about something horrific happening to them. It's, it's, I would love to learn more about the psychology of that really because I believe you, it takes a lot of courage to really lean into it. And that my friends is a practice and needs to be, um, really flexed. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's a tough thing to do. And um, I, I mean, when I'm thinking about the things that the, the terrain that we're covering, I'm feeling like there's this other piece in here that, that, 
that I'm trying to articulate related to gratitude and courage, though, where it's like, do I get to have all this? Mm-hmm. And I that that's maybe this is too much of, of something that I have personally struggled with coming into how I would answer this question. So maybe there, there's something even broader than what I'm about to share. But um, there's something around uh, one of the things that I notice that it takes courage for me to practice in relationship in, in to gratitude is that when I look around at my life, and I go, wow, I created so many beautiful things. I have a beautiful daughter, I have a beautiful home, beautiful life, beautiful husband, beautiful money, beautiful friendships, be- you know, just like really have made a lot of very intentional choices after walking through shit and doing a lot of the, the dance of suffering and getting to this place and going, when I ask that question, going, do, do I get to have all this? Almost like if, like, like. I can feel it now in my heart, this sense of, of like, holy shit. Like, this, it's mm-hmm. scary. It's it scary to, to fully receive it. It's scary to fully bring it in. It's not even so much about, oh, my God, foreboding. What if something happened? What if the other shoe drops? It's about, on a bodily level, it feels very hard sometimes to fully take in the magnitude of the joy, of the gratitude. Mm-hmm. And why it... Why it feels difficult, I think, is is um, I don't even know that I need to know why, but I think I know what it is, and I think it's still a place in my life where I'm playing small. I think it's just like the places where we play small, where we hide out, where we have fear, they just kind of shapeshift as we go. They move farther along in the process, or they show up in a different way, and instead of the fear showing up anymore for me as, what if you fail, or what if someone criticizes you, so don't even bother trying, now it shows up more as, wow, I can create all this success, and I can enjoy it 75%, and then there's this 25% held in reserve that kind of goes, (laughs) who do you think you are, or you get this, whoa, and feels gobsmacked by that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, again, quoting Brene, she calls that the vice. You know, like on one year on one year we have the the what if it fails, I'm not good enough to do this, I'm not gonna be able to do it, I'm not smart enough. And then if you and then if you're strong enough to get past that, then the other voice is who do you think you are? And mm-hmm. I think that's really common. I think it's 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 one or the other. And I first gave AG1 a try because I was feeling low energy and sluggish and coffee just wasn't giving me what I needed. Especially in these winter months, I struggle with pep in my step. And since drinking AG1, I felt more energized and focused. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. Because aging is a part of life that we all have to deal with, but I don't think it should prevent me from doing the things I love, like going on long hikes with my dog. I want to do the things that matter to me for as long as possible, which is why I drink AG1 every morning to support my brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm laying the groundwork for long-term health. I know with AG1, I'm giving my body high-quality nutrition. Every batch of AG1 goes through a rigorous testing process so you know it's safe. And AG1 ingredients are sourced for absorption, potency, and nutrient density. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to have them as a long-time 
lifetime partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com noise. That's drinkag1.com noise. Check it out. Bills and other things to pay for don't just come bi-weekly, and neither should your paycheck. The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earnin. Earnin is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. You can use Earnin for unexpected doctor visits, vet bills, or even extra self-help books. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, "When I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind." Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type in noise under podcast when you sign up. It's really helpful to the show. Noise under podcast. Subject to your available earnings, location, daily max, and pay period max. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. I do believe the remedy there is is practicing uh, gratitude. And again, it's another, that practice word comes up again because it's not just you lean into it and you're good. Um, I know for me, if I get away from practicing gratitude and, and I've kind of moved away from like the morning ritual of, of writing things down every day, I practice gratitude in the moment. I truly, mm-hmm. truly do. My kids um, sometimes get up early and cl- my husband gets up really early. So my kids will climb in bed with me and um I will take like five or ten minutes just to like snuggle them and you know smell their necks Mm -hmm. and just revel in the fact that they're still little enough that like they climb in bed with me it's just Mm -hmm. it's these really really ordinary moments where I believe I am practicing the courage to sink into that and be grateful for it and and really know that I am worthy absolutely worthy of all of this love and joy and um amazing blessed life yeah, I love that image. That's a beautiful image. Mm-hmm. Little moments. And, you know, speaking of, of worthiness, I'm about to open a giant can of worms here with this next question. <laughs> um, because I'm a believer that practicing courage is the birthplace of worthiness. And so I'm just curious, just in general, I'll let you kind of uh, manage the, the discussion. And what are your thoughts there? Hmm. My thoughts are that this is true. So I'm in agreement with you, which means I'm an excellent podcast guest. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, and by birthplace of worthiness, you mean recognition of worthiness. Yes. Not, you know, because funda- on a fundamental mm-hmm. level, we are all worthy, whether we recognize it or not. Yes. That's um, I, I, yeah, I think it's, I think it's related to what we were just talking about. There's, uh, there's a way in which the the practice of consistently saying even though i'm afraid i'm willing to continue to go after the things that i'm i desire that is an expression of your feelings of worthiness that is an expression of your belief that your desires have merit 
that the things that you'd like to create in the world are possible. And one of the things that I have found that's really interesting about the, the worthiness discussion is that so much of this courage practice becomes shared. So it's not even about like, like people, you know, go, Oh, well, is it worthy of me to go after my dreams? You know, do I deserve this? You know, I, I don't know that I feel worthy and, and it can become this very isolating kind of personal growth journey. But when you start to practice courage enough, you actually start to see that that when you decide that it is important to you to make X, Y, Z happen, to create it, to speak into it, to tell the truth about it, to stop doing it, to start doing it, one of the things that ends up happening is that it was never just for you as the individual. It was always for everyone. Mm-hmm. So this worthiness discussion starts to st- stops becoming about one person and starts becoming about what we're all contributing to the world. And I mean, I think that a world where people are practicing courage is a better place to live. This is something that I've had on my company's mission statement. This is um, something that I've, I've really been trying to move more and more into the conversation that we aren't practicing courage just for ourselves. We're actually practicing courage to create world change. Yeah. And world change, we, it doesn't mean we have to be the one person who takes on the task, and you know, unless you want to, of course, of changing uh, race relations. It doesn't mean that you have to be the one person who can, um, you know, change some of the human rights atrocities that are committed around the world or even stop world hunger. If you want to change the world, start with your own heart. If you don't want to do, if you don't want war happening out there, stop the war that's going on within you or between yourself and another person. Mm-hmm. Um, if you feel that uh, whatever you feel your issue is out there, whatever your cause would be out there, make it personal, and the personal actually will become something that benefits other people. Yeah, put that on a T-shirt, man. <laughs> I and I I I love your philosophy on that and it's funny I'll tell you guys when I was um doing some market research and um you know I went to the the national training with Brene Brown and her senior faculty and I came back and I was like everything I've ever taught every every message that I have you know philosophy that I have about my own practice is based in courage and so I came to you and I was like hey I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to be talking a lot more about courage in my in my coaching practice I just wanted to run that by you you know because you are Kate Courageous and 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 of course I said how could you copy me and And that's what she said like she was like what I said right (laughs) She's like, I've trademarked the word courage and no one can talk about it but me. I'm the authority. Well, I do feel I'm something of an authority. You are. (laughs) But no, you were so gracious and you said, absolutely, the more people that are talking about and teaching practice, you know, the practice of courage, the world will be a better place. Yeah, we're not doing this work. I mean, I'm not doing this work so that it can be like, Kate Swoboda was first. (laughs) (laughs) You know. Um, you know, that, that doesn't mean that we, you know, that there aren't ethical discussions for life coaches in general, not you, but, you know, I'm thinking mm-hmm. of the situation with the mutual friend of ours. There are, there are ethical discussions to be had about taking people, well, even Brene's work, actually, speaking right. of, of situations, I mean, people have taken Brene's work and co-opted it as their own and tried to commercialize it. And of course, those are always issues. Um, 
But um, yeah, we need to have a bigger conversation about courage. Mm -hmm. That becomes um, something that's really, really important to the world. And um, I mean, I think it's interesting that you said that people said the number one thing they struggle with is isolation. I think isolation is fear. Yeah. I mean, these are all, it's all basically things wrapped in fear. And and what I've, what I've come to, to realize is the top three things, it's this, I call it like the, the triangle of isolation, control, and perfectionism. And um, that is all based in fear. And it's all rooted in an, an inner critic that is disempowering. And what we get from that triangle is not feeling enough. I'm so glad you brought up perfectionism because I have this blog post that I wrote about how fearless is the new perfectionism. It's like this this whole idea of being fearless and you're going to kick fear's ass and never have to deal with it again. And um, it's like, it's this new perfectionism. Like, like instead, you know, people go like, Oh yeah, over there where I'm not afraid anymore. Life is perfect. And it's, it's, it it doesn't exist. I've never met anyone who doesn't feel fear. Um, There are people who don't feel fear. Um, and they're the same people that Brene talks about in many of her lectures. Um, they're people who the are sociopathic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're in a state of psychosis. They're mm-hmm. like, you know, they're not uh, functional. They also can't people. feel joy, empathy. Can't feel anything. Any of that. Right. Yeah. Yes. Well, <clears throat> I, I, I have never liked the word fearless. I have like a physical reaction to it. And uh, yeah, ugh, no, I, I am interested in, in reading that and I will um, – definitely put it out there in the world. And, uh, I believe fiercely in that. And I think that, I think, you know, speaking of, of, um, just the coaching industry. And I, I think that when you were, you were talking before, and I wanted to point out that I think that one of the really big, I don't know if I want to call it issues or problems is that not just life coaches, but health coaches, entrepreneurs, anyone that has, you know, their own business, especially an online business. Cause I work with a lot of, and I know you do too. I mean, you, you train coaches now and what I have seen, um, holds people back the most, you know, I'll, I'll get a client and we're talking systems, we're talking logistics, we're talking marketing and they're dragging their feet and dragging their feet. And I know what's happening. It's a worthiness issue. They're so afraid of putting themselves out there and they keep asking me like, how did you do it? And I just, then this is a really, it's a personal thing for me. I had worthiness issues for so long and I had a breaking point and y'all know my story. Like I had a breaking point where I drew the line in the sand and I said, no more. I'm, I'm, there is no other option for me. I cannot live like this anymore, but that's not everybody's story. And I think that, um, I'll tell you what, there was a lot of therapy involved. Like, it didn't, it's not just like I woke up all by myself and was like, yeah. <laughs> no, there was a lot of therapy involved. And so um, I think that, you know, if you are in that position where you're a coach or, you know, you're an entrepreneur and you're, you're having issues and you can't get your business off the ground and can't figure out why you don't have the confidence to, to put yourself out there, I suggest really there's probably a lot of healing that needs to be done and it comes down to – underneath all those layers, it's might be about worthiness. Oh yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, I run the coaching blueprint.com site for marketing, uh, for life coaches. And I created a coaching blueprint business manifesto. And one of the items on the manifesto, which is kind of like the 10, um, points that I think, you know, are, are most critical for life coaches around marketing is, is if you want your clients to live better lives, you've got to live a better life. Mm-hmm. 
Walk your talk, baby. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, it's always a matter of walking the talk because new situations arise. It's not like you go, it's not like any of us go, Oh yeah, I worked on perfectionism a little bit in 2014. I think I'm good on that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> check that off the list. I don't, yeah, I don't deal oh, with yeah, it anymore. Comparisons. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really deal with that anymore. Like, um, I, I tend to think a more honest thing would be for people to say that isn't something that is triggering me at the moment. Mm-hmm, right. <laughs> then I don't deal Today, with that Tuesday. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh gosh, thank you so much for all your wisdom today and. Uh, yourkickasslife.com forward slash four four forty four is where you can see um, the show notes and any links to anything we talked about in this podcast. But Kate, tell everyone um, what you got going on right now this time of year and, and where they can find you. Uh, it is an ever revolving deal. I'm over at yourcourageouslife.com. That's where I primarily write about courage. Registration for my coaching training program is closed right now. Womp womp. But um, if someone is interested in knowing when it's open again, they can head to courageouscoachingtraining.com. And of course, you can learn about my perhaps um, courageous approach to marketing over at coachingblueprint.com. Yes. And I fully endorse anything, anything Kate does. And, um, Y'all, seven days of courage. Your kick, yeah, the Kick-Ass Courage Project, sorry, seven-day challenge starts on Sunday. That's in a few days. So if you haven't signed up already, and um, there's a contest involved as well where you can win amazing prizes, which I am going to have a hard time giving up. Really cute mantra band and candles, Godiva chocolates, my book, a really awesome tank top. But um, head on over <laughs> to... I love how you do that. I want to know what the awesome tank top is. It says, damn, it feels good to be a badass. Yes. All right. That I would have a hard time getting rid of that too. You can head on over to yourkickasslife.com seven forward slash seven day challenge and sign up there or just in the, it'll all be in the show notes. And definitely if you don't follow Kate, uh, go over to her blog, read everything she's ever written and follow her. And her baby is seriously like the cutest thing ever. I I cannot, it like pains me that I have not met her in person to be able to squeeze her face. I had nothing to do with it. She is, I can't stand it. She's just getting cuter as the months roll on too. Do you want to squeeze my face? Am I that (laughs) I would, I will. And I did get to see you soon, so... Squeeze your face. Well, thank you so much for having me on and a huge and hearty thank you to you for doing the work that you do. I'm like so glad that you are bringing all of the things that we're talking about right now into an actual environment later this year where people can um, can actually practice them with yes. other people. It's like Very stop exciting. reading about it in books, man. Like get <laughs> in there practicing. and actually practice it with other people. With this real humans. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Instead of our phones. Okay. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Yourkickasslife.com forward slash 44. And I will see you next time. See you later. Bye-bye.
Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. 